Welcome to the MedMan Podcast, a podcast focused on helping you level up your practice. I'm Jesse Arnoldson. And I'm Jay Holmes. Through interviews with some of the most successful leaders in the industry, we help uncover resources, tools, and ideas to help you level up. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's program. Welcome back to the MedMan Podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. Jay and Jesse here to bring you some awesome content. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Jesse on how we compromise our hiring decisions. Jesse, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you, Jay? Hey, couldn't be better. Couldn't be better hanging out with with one of the best here. (laughs) Thanks, man. So we're going to be talking about compromised hiring decisions, how we get into them, hopefully some some ways that we can avoid them. To start this off, why don't we talk about, um, tell us a story, one of your favorite hiring stories. Yeah, yeah, you know, let's let's get into one of one of my uh, tragic failures. I was trying to hire for a medical assistant within the last couple of years, and it wasn't going great. The pool was pretty small. I wasn't getting the kind of candidates I wanted. And then just one day, the heavens opened up, and up popped a resume that just screamed, you know, hire me. The person had you know five years' experience, had been in the same specialty, pediatrics. Had even worked in a subspecialty of pediatrics, had worked on our same EHR. It was just perfect. It couldn't be any better. And she had just moved from out of state. So she, you know, be able to start right away. And right there, you know, I got anchored in hard on that resume and hired that piece of paper. And, uh, but unfortunately, got somebody completely different, right? <laughs> totally. And ended up with somebody, you know, that that was not a fit, unfortunately. Really nice person, but not a fit for our clinic and our team and stuck out like a a sore thumb and it caused a lot of issues, unfortunately, but I didn't catch any of the the potential red flags cuz I had blinders on through the whole interview process. I'm not sure I even paid attention to to I am exaggerating a little bit, but but I really was anchored on that resume. And that's that's a struggle for me and a, a solid learning lesson, right, going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take that story and let's talk about some examples of of how we how you got compromised there. And then, you know, some other other examples. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking about the ability to make a decision when it comes time to commit to somebody to bring them onto your team, right? This is somebody you're going to spend a ton of time with. You're going to put them with your team and hope that they mesh and support it, right? So your decision-making ability has to be on point when it comes time. Unfortunately, you know, without even knowing what we're knowing that we're doing it, we set little traps for ourselves that compromise that ability, that that make it to where we fall to temptation or are influenced by our own biases that again without even knowing what we're doing it, that make it to where we, we commit to people we normally wouldn't. We, we make decisions that normally wouldn't match our standards. Gotcha. Tell me some examples of these temptations, yeah. biases. Yeah. So let me jump into probably the most common one, being tempted or, or pressured to hire too quickly, right? Think It's laughable when said out loud, but the expectation for what usually happens in a clinic or any other place of work is somebody turns in their two weeks, and you're expected to find, hire, onboard, and train that person before their, their predecessor ever leaves the, the, the clinic, right? That's two weeks to do all of that. And there's just no way. But unfortunately, the pressure comes from not being able to have that seat open or that, that 
other person leaving with institutional knowledge that you can't get from anywhere else and you need that person to train their their replacement and so that pressure is on and like i said it's laughable when said out loud that timeline but that's what we do to ourselves and so you put that there and you will settle absolutely if you can't find the perfect candidate right away you'll settle and you'll make a desperation hire right jay absolutely man it reminds me of the home buying process right where one of the biggest decisions we make in our lives, we have to do, you know, with a 15 to 20 minute walk through property. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, because there's so much pressure, the industry has created so much pressure that if you don't act now, you're going to lose this most perfect thing. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes maybe you'll get a second walk through. And, and of course, you have maybe. home inspection. Not in Boise, things. right? Yeah, you're not speed exactly. walking through that walk through. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt. And yeah, th- things are, well, to talk about that, things are crazy. P- people are skipping inspections just to, to get houses. And that's it. It's exactly the same. You're skipping things you normally wouldn't because of the pressure to act fast. Right. Yep. And, and then really what that highlights is that there's, the processes, the infrastructure isn't set up right. You haven't put the work into your systems, into these, you know, proven processes so that you can train someone else. You know, the institutional knowledge isn't hidden. It's documented, right? right. And th- these are right. all those things that, that ultimately can be done to help you relieve some of that pressure. Exactly, exactly. Well, let me give you another example, Jay, okay. because uh, the hiring too quickly, again, these are just examples of, of the overarching problem, right? Of laying traps for ourselves and not being in our best place to make a decision when it comes time to, to commit to somebody. Another one is just like that story I shared at the beginning. It's, it's anchor or resume anchoring. You get married to a resume because it fits and you, you, know, you go with that despite all of the shortcomings that you, you, you could recognize in the interview process in person if, if you weren't thinking about that resume, right? Again, you've got to set yourself up to be able to make the best decision possible. Absolutely. It's like the you know, first impression bias that everyone has. Mm-hmm. And it's, the resume is that. You know, if, right. if, you, if you realize it or not, it really is. And um, you know, what, what that can do, because then all of a sudden you're trying to prove, you're, you're saying, okay, well, this is, this is my bias. So, so I'm trying to look for only things that prove me right um, rather than, you know, developing that skill to, to not jump to any conclusion and let everything kind of build up it's to, exactly to a certain that. And pe- decision. For, for me, that was resumes. For others, that's in-person how they look, right? Are they good looking? Are they going to match this sort of style? Are they, you know, it, it, are they blonde or brunette? We get anchored to first impressions, whether that's resume or looks, right? Yeah. So tell us some tools, techniques that, that you've found to help compensate for these things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The first thing is you've got to be aware and you got to be on the look for it. You know, I think back to the old Indiana Jones movies and as Indiana's moving down the tunnel, he's his partners aren't looking for booby traps, right? But they're everywhere and he knows that. And so he's looking. That's who we have to be. We, we have to be much less like his partners who are going to take a spear through the eye every time they step on something because they're not ready for it. <laughs> and we have to be looking at our entire process and saying, okay, where do I get tripped up? If I really want to make sure I'm giving this person a fair shot and not getting stuck on some first impression, what do I have to do at the beginning to help myself throughout it? What do I have to do to make sure that I'm not being pressured to, to hire too quickly. So let me give you a couple of examples on, on the ones that I've given. The pressure to hire too quickly. For us in our interview process at Thrive, 
pediatrics, we, and we're not perfect, but at least for, I'll give you an example with the reception desk, our one full-time receptionist turned into two weeks. However, we have three receptionists who work part-time and they each could donate or, you know, work an extra day a week if given notice. And, and they, and we were able to do that. And we've been able to cross train one of our medical assistants to sit up front and work front desk. And we've identified a second one who's willing to do the same. In doing so, we've been able to, for a limited amount of time, we're able to provide coverage longer than those two weeks. And in the second thing, we've also put our institutional knowledge into a training manual and everybody knows it. Everybody, you know, the the front desk and our front desk operations person they all know the system and, and how we do things and all the processes and can train. So the fact that that other person left didn't take anything with her that couldn't be replicated without her there. And so that gave us the time to wait for the right person. And it took us about a month for that person from when the receptionist turned in her notice to when the first day of the other, other gal starting was about four weeks. And we were okay. That still took some time to train, another two or three weeks to train, but it was great. You know, it put a little bit of strain on each person, but it spread it out. And I didn't have to settle for the first person who applied on Indeed. Absolutely. And how important is that? You think about the, when you post a, you post a position, you really have what, two or three days of, of a window generally that, that your, your realm of possibility is only two or three days. Who is right. actually looking for a job in two to three days? And that's your pool. And that's the scary thing, right? And that's the same thing, like going back to this whole house analogy that oftentimes when you go to look for a house, it's really what are the houses on the market in that specific time frame? In that moment, yeah. And how it's set up a lot of times is that you need to make that decision first and then scramble to try to sell your house. Or you just say, hey, I've sold my house and I got to go find something now. But we don't really give ourselves the opportunity to maximize you know, our, our options. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a great example of, you know, certainly helping with that, uh, right, you know, right. don't, don't put a tremendous amount of strain, but, but enough that it's worthwhile. You don't want to, of course, go six months without it, but no. you know, certainly no. two to three days, spread that out to a couple of weeks, you know, you're, you're going to have a better opportunity to find the best match possible. Exactly. And I've been very fortunate that our team, even when we're not hiring, they'll come up to me and say, hey, I got somebody that I think you'd like. Will you at least talk with them? I know we're not hiring right now, but will you just like get to know them? Because I want that connection to be there for when the next time we do hire. That is another example of being able to expand that pool before we ever start so that it's not just a two to three day selection period, right? Like we've got people in the pipeline that we know so that it's not a rushed thing we're not compromising our decision-making ability by putting too much speed on the system where we, we can start with the wheels already moving. Yeah, you're, pri- you're priming the pump a little bit. And I like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I, I just want to talk just a little, mention, you know, and maybe highlight two other things that you said. One is the employee manual, which, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes gets done just because it needs to get done and it gets put on a shelf. Um, right, right. But that's that's huge, and it doesn't have to be plain. It could be very usable, and it could be very instructive if if you create it right. And of course, if exactly. you use it in your you know your implementation and training, and then cross training is the other thing you mentioned. I think those right. two things, you know, cross training to give yourself coverage because in smaller practices, that's one of the most challenging things is, is you trying have one to one receptionist, right? Like, who, yeah. who else is going to sit in at a small practice? Absolutely, cross train. 
you know, and bringing those in. And, you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, in our medical group that MedMan has, you know, there's, we have two clinics and finding the right people, because I think this is very, very important, but Mm -hmm. finding the right people are actually motivated to cross train and be more flexible and diverse and have a broader skill set. They're encouraged by that rather than saying, hey, you know, I'm just getting kind of bored doing my same old thing. So it's been interesting, you know, as we've really said, okay, if, you know, in order for this to be successful, we need people that can fill different roles because we can't, you know, when, when we have, we've got a provider, then oftentimes just two other staff, right? Mm-hmm. If one's sick, well, then a provider and one staff, how are you going to work that out? So while there's going to be a little bit more strain, if that person's cross-trained, then it works out, right? And so, but certainly how I reflect on it is that we've been successful because we found the right people that are okay with that, that are you know motivated by expanding their expertise. And um, it's it's been huge. It's, it's allowed us to really not have the the hills and valleys that that other practices do with with people leaving. Exactly. And all this all this stuff, Jay, and and that's the thing. All this stuff has to be done when you're in your right state of mind, and that means not when you're hiring. This is work done when you don't have a hiring issue. Like you don't have to. You're not recruiting. You have to be spending time on this beforehand. It's prep work. Otherwise. If you've already stepped on the booby trap, it's long gone. You're not going to be able to do any of this, right? <laughs> like yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not dodging just... Dodging spears. Yeah, and it's, yeah, you're not just dodging one spear. It's, it's all the spears that are going to be thrown at you afterwards mm-hmm. because that's what really gets you, right? You hire the wrong person yeah. and all of a sudden it's, you know, it's not just this a little bit of uh, initial pain. It's just continued pain. Exactly. Well, exactly. hey, let's, let's end this discussion on, on continued pain and uh, trying to avoid that. Um, Jesse, this was really awesome Awesome information. I'm I'm sure our listeners gonna gonna grab a bunch from it. Um, listeners, you know, there's there's a lot to to understand, but it's really about putting in the work ahead of time to give yourself the most opportunity and options while you're hiring. Because as we know, people make up 80% of our problems. And if we hire the right people, it certainly alleviates a lot of them. So Jesse, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Well, thank you all for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Jesse. Before you get distracted smash that subscribe button so you can always stay updated on new content. And if you want to take it up another notch, give us a perfect rating. Why not? We hope you enjoyed our content today and thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the MedMan Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's featured guest. For the show notes, transcripts, resources, and everything else MedMan does to help you level up, be sure to visit us at medman.com.